What do the Doors and David Bowie have in common? A love of German opera, as it turns out. Rather, Doors keyboardist Ray Manzarek and Bowie share a love of German opera. When the Doors were recording their first album, Manzarek brought in the original cast recording for the 1930s production Mahogany, a German opera with lyrics written by Bertolt Brecht, translated into English by Elizabeth Hauptmann, and put to music by Kurt Weill. The rest of the Doors weren't crazy about the song's melody, so they altered it, along with some of the verses. Given the song's foreign origins and the overwhelming success of the Doors' debut album, many fans believe the song was written by Jim Morrison himself. Real theater heads know that Brecht wrote a series of poems that were then transformed into a mini-opera in 1927, thanks to the help of Hauptmann and Weil. The short opera was a play about the decline of Germany's existing social classes and lasted only 45 minutes. The original performance of the would-be Doors song was by Lotta Lenya, a Viennese dancer and Weil's wife. In 1930, the opera, Rise and Fall of the City of Mahogany, was made, reusing several songs from the 1927 Mahogany, including the one performed by Lenya. From its inception as a German theater piece to its Doors revival, Bowie cover and onwards, the song has been covered by countless artists. Fittingly, the song itself also goes under a wide variety of names. Moon Over Alabama, Moon of Alabama, Whiskey Bar, and of course, the title we will be using today to discuss the Bertolt Brecht and Kurt Weill classic on Cover Me... Alabama song. That's right. It's Cover Me, the only podcast that compares famous songs to their many cover versions to find out which one must die. I'm your host as always, The Snake, joined by my Silver Dollar co-host. Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger, how you doing? I'm doing okay, other than my mic stand is, like, falling apart, but it's fine. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, like, couldn't there. figure out what happened. My mic rotated 90 degrees from the top of the thing to the bottom of the thing. Mm. And I was like, what? Like, I, like, didn't notice it happened. I was like, why is this different? What the fuck is going... But no, it's, it's fixed now. I actually ordered a new mic stand today that's a bit mm. longer, so I don't have to, like, lean into this one. I can just sit back. I tell um, you, yeah, a good mic stand is yeah. something I am looking for in for my future purchases. Ergonomics. I need those ergonomics. So I think it should be fine for now. Excellent. Um, Alex, it's Bowie me. I forgot to say that in the... Uh, I always put too much pressure on like little fucking tricks and gimmicks I have to put into all these theme monks. It's Bowie me. It is. We're recording today on Bowie's birthday. Oh, that's right. Yes, I saw there was a like little video that his his YouTube channel put out. Oh yeah, that just played some Bowie songs. It was like a thirty to sixty second long thing where it just like was like Bowie seventy five because seventy fifth would have been would have been seventy fifth birthday. They have a little um a little promotional image that's the number seventy five made out of like lightning bolts. Yeah, which is yeah, what dude. the channel like images and i didn't realize it was 75 until today but it's been that for a while yeah it's been that for a bit i follow the the david bowie twitter of course and it's uh the same branding there um damn dude 75 years of david bowie yeah not 75 years of like the music or anything but yeah, yeah i guess technically even him being bowie is not 75 years but that's true I don't know. Can exactly you imagine if he lived to be 75? Yeah, I feel like it wouldn't be that different. He'd have, I mean, uh, he'd have another album, I think. Supposedly he was 
planning yeah, a, a Black Star follow-up. At the very least. At the very um, least. Um, so there'd be more Bowie music. That would pretty much be yeah, the difference. Yeah, I'm thinking Bowie and the pandemic. Do you think we would have got a, a live stream show? Oh, that might have been cool. It's very possible. It's very possible. I mean, he's not... Ha- what Historically, wasn't someone who would like shy away from internet usage and and uh no not at all media trends he was he's usually pretty on top of them yeah so wouldn't be too surprised yeah another another opening of cover me with a what would have been he could have been playing assassin's creed and he could have been doing live stream (laughs) shows yeah you never know you never know with david bowie yeah he was a wild card right up to the end um of course we're not talking about a bowie original this week we're we're talking about what most people believe to be a Doors original, but is in fact German theater, baby. Yeah, a song I always also thought was just like a Doors song meant to sound polka-ish and kind of old school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think, because I got, I got a book of, of sheet music of the Doors, and then this song was credited to someone else, and I think that's how I learned it was an older song. Yeah, I think I probably learned it from you. But I, I do remember hearing this song on the radio. The Doors version and thinking it was very funny. It is a funny song, I think. Because yeah, sorry, yeah, it's got a real like because it is like if we're gonna look at these lyrics, there's not a lot to them. It's basically just about people looking to get drunk, under the premise that they've lost their mother, I guess. But also maybe they're just alcoholics. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that seems to be part of it, or at least they're, like, sad. Obviously, it's, its history is it was this, like, German or Austrian, I don't know how specific I need to be, um, opera. It was actually, like, when it was written, was, like, Weimar Republic era, I believe. Right, that's correct. Yeah, so, like, between the world wars. So, and it was originally written in German. I didn't think to look up the, like, German version to see if you, like, directly translate it, if it's any different. Oh, yeah, because, like, Elizabeth Hoffman herself is, I think, still German. Like, I think it was, and she often worked with uh, Bertolt Brecht in translating his stuff, so... Yeah, because I think the story is, like, it was translated by Kurt Weill, or... Um, It was... A group, there's sort of a group of them. Yeah. So, Kurt Weill is the uh, composer on this. Elizabeth right. Hoffman is the translator. And then Brecht wrote these poems originally that they, I guess the three of them got together and compiled into a, like a short opera. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Elizabeth I guess, Hoffman, yeah, is German. So, I guess she just knew English. But, like, she would have known the German itself, word for word. It's, I, it's really just a matter of what her English ability was. Yeah. I plus, I mean, uh, this is just going off the Wikipedia page. It says that it's written with broken english lyrics so i think it's more of a direct translation in terms of the words mm. but it could miss out on some of the meaning like particularly in like the early recordings when they talk about um like in the doors version they say little girl well but but in the original they say like little boy yeah or sometimes pretty boy yeah and it's like what does that mean in the context of like 1920s Germany or Austria. Mm-hmm. And I guess for that, so. we have to look at its context in the opera, what little context we can grab, which is that Lotta Lenya plays a prostitute in this scene. 
Right. So, um, taking Pretty Boy, um, who's your, who's your customers as a prostitute? Boys, hopefully, pretty ones. Yeah, or maybe it's a direct translation. Could it be? Uh, I don't want to ma- um, speculate because this would be potentially easy to find out. But like, what? Like we say, Johns to refer to a, a client of a prostitute. But like, is the German version of that? Whatever pretty boy is yeah, in some, German. Whatever like, pretty boy is in German. I don't potentially. know. I should have um, looked this up. Should have. But I think ultimately, and we're kind of we're we're kind of talking around the lyrics. We'll do a yeah. read through of them. But we'll, like, I think they're these. I guess morning prostitutes because that also brings us to what a mama is. Your old mama. True. Who I might think of like like a matron of a a brothel. Similar to to the lady talked about in the ZZ Top song, um, Lagrange. Right. So I'm I'm imagining destitute prostitutes who have just lost essentially their their boss slash caretaker slash you know business owner, and so they are sort of wildly out in search of comfort in the way of whiskey and also their their next job, a pretty boy, to keep themselves sustained. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add to that. That makes that makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense, but of course. As we'll talk about with these, and the other thing they look for in the original is the next little dollar or silver dollar, some say. I said at least in the <laughs> introduction. I don't know if that's actually right anymore. But they're looking for money, they're looking for yeah. sex, they're looking for booze. It's Yeah. I mean it's, it's money, base. work, and yeah, comfort, I guess. Yeah. And I guess so, to a degree, yeah, I guess mm-hmm. sex as well. You know, it's work, but it's also sex. Yeah, it may be it may be sex by by way of their profession. They're simply looking to, to, again, get sex to get money. But that also kind of depends on the version. But... Yeah. And the the lyrics are loose enough that, like, we will find the Doors version doesn't sound like it's sung from the, the, the perspective of prostitutes. It sounds like it's sung from the perspective of Jim Morrison, known lunatic. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, oh, show us the way to the next whiskey bar. Oh, don't ask why. Oh, don't ask why. For we must find the next whiskey bar. For if we don't find the next whiskey bar, I tell you we must die. I tell you we must die. I tell you, I tell you, I tell you we must die. It's very repetitive, yeah? <laughs> Just a bit. I mean, really, all, all, the, all that's gone on so far is this, like, a very dramatic reading of, like, I need alcohol, specifically whiskey. Um, mm-hmm. Or, like throw head back with hand on forehead, like, I'll die. I'll die. Um, they're also supposedly in Alabama, so I, I don't really know the implications of that. Like, obviously, it's, it's a European um, composition, and, like, like, the song is German, as we've said several times, but it's set in Alabama? Yeah, I guess, because it's also about, like, German social... Classes. <laughs> um, hang on. I'm just because, like, so I don't know, like, how much the like Americanness is part of that because it's supposed to be sat- satirical, right? Right, and well, whiskey is very American. Yeah, so it seems like this kind of old West um caricature almost. Hmm. Uh, that might be something that if you weren't American that you'd say, yeah, of course, Alabama has saloons and 
And not much else. Whiskey and presumably brothels. And we're in Alabama in a place called Mahogany, but spelt weird. Yeah, spelt Germanly. Yeah. Um, I actually don't know if the city's called Mahogany or if it's just the city of Mahogany. Like, like it's made out of gold. Mahogany? Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, what is that? I guess... I feel like there's a lot of implications here and a lot of like historical meaning that I just don't know about. That is maybe possible. You might also just be grasping straws here, man. <laughs> True. Uh, <laughs> I guess not not in these yeah. lyrics, not in these lyrics, but like generally. Um, generally, yeah. I mean, I imagine it's given context by the the opera itself. I'm sure if we see Lotalenia dancing and and singing this and being dramatic, we go, ah, oh, of course. Yes, and it seems like maybe in context they're really pushing the idea that this person is like lost because it's all show me the way to this to that, and we need to right. find it. But it's like. Just a bar. You'll be able to find a bar, right? Yeah, you should be go down a busy street. You will find a bar. Yeah. Does it need to be a whiskey bar? Uh, most bars have whiskey. Did they in 1927? I don't fucking know. In Alabama, probably. Probably, right? It's whiskey. Probably. I guess in Alabama in 1927, maybe also viewed as like you know your Wild West, very sparse settlements. Probably more rural. Yeah, probably more rural. I don't know. But then how far is one whiskey bar from the other in that situation? These are questions we don't have the answer to. But I don't think we need them, is uh, no, my really. argument for this. I think this this song is all flavor. It, the flavor you, of whiskey. Yeah, basically. It's just like, let's call up some imagery. Let's call up a few things. Uh, don't ask about our intentions for the whiskey bar, pretty girls, little boys, what have you. And um, we're in dire straits. If we don't get these things, we're going to die. And then, boom, your chorus. Oh, moon of Alabama, we now must say goodbye. We've lost our good old mama and must have whiskey. Oh, you know why. And that's it. Yeah. That's almost all the lyrics. Yeah. Um, but it's a good, it's a good chorus, I think. Because mm-hmm. for reasons I don't fully understand, it's really good to sing along to. Um, it's a uh, maybe know only in some contexts. It's, it's and maybe pretty just melodramatic. I it. it is the theater piece, right? People True. love to sing along to musicals. Yeah. Um, and this one's nice and it's repetitive because you get the same lines twice in the chorus. Yeah, and it's easy and slow, and you get to put a lot of more feeling into it than you do uh, actual singing quality into it. That's true. It is not difficult to sing. Not at all. And in fact, many people will take the approach of not singing it well, quote unquote, because <laughs> that's not the purpose of this. Right. It's kind of a lament. Or it's just explaining, hey, this is why we're sad. Yes. Let's drink. Let's drink. We've lost our good old mama, whoever that may be, your literal mother, a prostitute, hen, <laughs> or any other means of person or even object somebody yeah concept (laughs) i hate to be so loose with this uh with our interpretation but yeah and i mean there is a story here Mm -hmm. it's just not mostly not told in the lyrics yeah it's yeah that's exactly what it is it's like the lyrics are meant to support everything else going on around it they're just like a a little little hook to hang a portrait on, and the portrait is this, the dancing, the music, the everything else. Yeah, although I don't know what German operas looked like in 1930. 
Well, I tell you what, they were short if they were 45 minutes long. <laughs> True. That. I can True. give you the their description from the program of uh, the original, the short, the 1927 Little Mahogany or Mahogany Songspiel. Right, the short one. Um, it says, Mahogany is a short, epic play which simply draws conclusions from the irresistible decline of our existing social classes. It is already turning towards a public which goes to the theater naively and for fun. Criticizing the audience. Always a good way to yeah. get ahead. We do that here. We like to call our audience little idiots, little gremlins, <laughs> little dumb fucks. <laughs> Other people have charming names for their audience members. Yes, we're very vindictive towards our audience. But only behind their back. That's right. Um, no, just kidding, guys. We love you. We'd never say anything bad about you. Except that maybe y'all should leave more reviews and tell more of your friends about us. Oh. That's all. Sounds That's like a all good idea saying. to me. And the rest of the lyrics. What are the rest of the lyrics? Um, show me the way to the next... I see. I'm looking at the Doors version, but it's okay. Pretty Boy. Don't ask why. Um, see, it claims to not be the Doors version, but it is the Doors version. I okay, see I'm looking now. at the... On Genius, I'm looking at the Lotta Lenya version. Okay. Which she uh, sang it quite a few times. Um, as we'll discover when we come to the quote-unquote original version, we'll talk about it. It's not even the 1927 recording, so... Sorry, people. But uh, one of the versions she did, and I, I'm kind of using her as the, the standard simply because she probably didn't deviate from the original script in her life, the original lyrics, because why would she? She sang it the first way. She's going to sing it that way the next time. So yeah, on hers it's so show us the way to the next pretty boy. Oh, don't ask why. Oh, don't ask why. For we must find the next pretty boy. For if we don't find the next pretty boy, again, I tell you, we must die. Take us to the thing. Where's the thing? If we don't get the thing, we're going to die. We're going to die. Throw the your head back. The one after that is the next little dollar. Put your head on your hand on your forehead. Yeah. Oh, I'll Dramatic. Just die. And yeah, little dollar, which again could be a, like a, a language thing. Like, oh, yeah. What, like, what does little dollar imply as opposed to a big dollar? Just a strange direct translation of a thing that. Is it like a coin? I don't know. These are things we could know. This is not secret information. It's... Again, I feel like you're... We've gone... You and I have taken two different roads. I'm on the road of none of this matters. (laughs) It has no meaning. And you're on the road of like, there's got to be a reason. It's a little dollar. You might be right, Alex. Because there's a lot of that like, very... Like... Like literal, like a like in German, they'll make a word by like sticking a bunch of other words together, right? Sure. So yeah. whereas we'll have like a whole word that only means the one thing, there's their version of that will be like several words stuck together. So if you directly translate it, it's strange because you could translate all the sections individually, sort of thing. Hmm. I might imagine I little dollar is just like no yeah, little money. Just like, little like, money. Like, we don't need a lot of money, just a little bit. <laughs> just need a little money. Hey, just a little money. <laughs> you know, to get a little whiskey or a, a little boy. Everything's little. I yeah, guess the whiskey bar small. is not a Did size, she actually say but... little boy, or did I just fuck that up? Let me see. It might be pretty boy. Some versions say little boy. Um, Pretty okay. boy. That's because the Doors version says little girl. Yeah. Which, of course, is used to make the song sound creepier, which is the yeah. Doors take. But, like, that's the lyrics, man. That's the lyrics. That's the lyrics. Oh. That's the song. Well, that's the, the lyric part of the song. 
That is the lyric <laughs> part of the song. Um, oh, so insightful, Alex. Yeah, we, and that's the episode. Thank y'all. <laughs> uh. So, Alex, this song, we're talking about the 1930 version, which is the oldest one I could find on yeah, Spotify. I think, yeah, I saw an older one on, on um, YouTube. Mm. But it, it was pretty similar. Yeah, because it is a lot of, more Lenya, a lot of Lenya, on, Lenya on both versions. Yeah. Although this one, I don't know about that 1927 one, but this one she shares space with some dudes. Yeah. Um, so, Kurt Vile has top billing on this one. He sure does. So, does he sing the... I guess that'll, maybe we don't know. I wonder if he's just credited for the instrumentals. I thought, but... Oh, yeah, oh, he no, did that's the... Theo Maccabin's Jazz Orchestra. Yeah, Jazz Orchestra. You could just be crediting him in the sense that he uh, did the compositions, right? Yeah. But maybe he is singing So I'm not too. exactly sure. But there are several singers in this one. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe they're just other members of the Theo Maccabin Jazz Orchestra. Yeah, and Theo Maccabin is credited separately from his jazz band. Yeah. It's true. He might be the singer. It might be both him and Kurt Vile, because it seems to be... There's several voices. There's, yeah, there's two dudes, and yeah, maybe the rest of the Theo Mackerman jazz fantastic him, but I don't know. I mean, you got some dude singers, and you got a lot of Lenya. Yeah, and it's from, like, 1930, so... so it sounds like shit. Sounds like shit. I mean, this is pre-multi-track recording. I mean, I think even the next version we're going to talk about, it's not pre-multi-track, but it's before, like multi-track was very popular i looked it up a little bit that like i think there was multi-track recording devices in like the late 50s but they weren't very common and then and then really like the beatles popularized and the beach boys popularized using like a lot of tracks but their early beach boys and beatles recordings use like two or three track uh recording devices where it would be like vocals on one instruments on the other but this is like yeah. one track yeah this is 1930 in the Weimar republic like it's not it's not um yeah super high tech necessarily no and also the like the instrumentation itself besides being like a jazz band i guess so but no big one we're talking like 1930s jazz band fucking 10 dudes there probably but it's really you get 10 dudes together to play some good old-fashioned polka rhythm yeah it's a lot of like umpa. yeah um and a lot of like kind of like distant um brass because yes. those early recordings another thing like they they favored a lot of brass because you could hear it right so you could mix it properly but you have to move them far away from the microphone yeah um so yeah, it's that kind of sound. Uh, I would say it sounds better than Shoner's Zigolo. Um, yes, seems to be higher that. quality than that. Maybe it's just been like restored or something. But uh, compared to that, it definitely has uh, a little bit. It sounds a little better, or at least like louder. Yeah, and I guess there are some interesting things going on, even in the simplicity. We talk about that brass there. So the first verse is kind of split into brass backing the vocal melody and then uh, strings backing it in the, the flip section, which gives you t- sort of like a roughness followed by a, a spookiness and then back again. When did the, the strings come in later, right? Yeah, the, on the I Tell You We Must Die. Right. The, oh, Don't Ask Why. Yeah, and then shortly after that, 
Oh no! She and then just, it flips Lada back. comes in on the chorus, right? Yeah, she comes in on the chorus. So we get a switching of the vocalists. I think every chorus, right? Because then she takes the next verse. Yeah. And then on the chorus, we flip back to the dudes. So there's a lot of a lot of flipping back and forth to generate musical interest here, I guess. Yeah, and I guess presumably tell the story if they're performing on a stage. But it's tough yeah. to say what exactly is happening. Yeah, but yeah, like the way they do the, that verse is like, Oh, tell me where to find the whiskey bar. And that's kind of like roughly saying, and you got the, the horn backing that, doing these like, like really rough. And then it cuts to the, the smoother section of, Oh, don't ask why. And that's where the strings back instead. Uh, okay. And then it flips back. So and that, uh, that also sounds like some musical theater shit. It does. I mean, like this is is considered opera and i mean like you can hear in lada's vocals when she takes over it's like super old school you get that like kind of high vibrato like like yeah buddy like this like old school like disney movie sound you know i mean disney movies that were made kind of around the same time that would be like snow white yeah so just like the old ones uh and that was just like an older singing style kind of early amplified singing i guess yeah 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 or at least recorded singing yeah so she does that and then at the end of the chorus she does like a little again like a theater thing like a little bit of talk singing (laughs) right and then she sounds so i guess austrian but like you know german (laughs) um like suddenly you get this like heavy accent in oh you know why like oh you know why <laughs> like very heavy when she actually starts to sing yeah because i guess like the the operatic singing style kind of covers up any accent it just sounds stylistic more than anything yeah i mean a lot of people kind of lose the heavy accent so they say um in singing i don't really know where that comes from i have been told that singing is like a different part of your brain or something. Maybe that's just internet pop science and it's bullshit. Maybe. But uh, that is one thing I have heard. Well, it's, it's the diaphragm. You sing with the diaphragm. Right. So. You don't sing with the brain. You sing with the diaphragm. There you go, baby. <laughs> uh, trying to think if that means anything. I don't think it does. Um, yeah. No. And Lada, Lada, keeps, Lada keeps singing for a while. She sings another verse. Yeah. She takes that verse. I think that we get like some... Maybe it's it's either there or later we get like some extra percussion, like some castanets or something. I think it's later. It's kind of hard to tell. Yeah, the the is. instruments are very quiet. They are very quiet because it's a lot of focus on like the the vocals, um, which are kind of most notable on the next chorus mm-hmm. soon after this. Just because like it it goes back to like a man singing, mm-hmm. but there's lots of backup. Yes. And, like, even one of the backup guys kind of has his own, like, solo-ish stuff going. Like. Yeah, so it gets bigger here. It's a short three-minute song, so this is really the chorus we got to send it home. You're right. There's that guy in the back. They say, we now must say goodbye. Say goodbye. goodbye. Yeah. So just kind of, like, more harmonies and stuff. It's more old school. Very strongly focused on, like, the harmony of the vocals. Yeah. We get that a, a sort of softer horn than what we've experienced so far. A little more, uh, a little more sustain on him. He's not doing these sharp punches. Yeah, it's very, it's very nice. 
pleasant, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, then, another thing that comes in yeah. uh, is like the 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 horns are playing. There's like yeah, kind of got some got some three over four sort of thing going on. Yeah, that's also kind of the transition, isn't it, from the uh, verse to chorus? That is true. They do have the transition, um, which gets kind of adapted later on. But in this form, is yeah that. So really, it just mm-hmm. continues. Into yeah. this chorus, in in this chorus, yeah, keeps that transition part going. Yeah, yeah, buddy. And then they end this one by saying, "You know why?" A bunch. And maybe it's because we do know why. We do know why. You know why? You know why? You know why? And that's your theater production of. Uh, you know why? Because I mean, Alabama song. Yeah, well, that's sort of that's just the way I just listen to them saying it again, mm-hmm. and it's like I don't know. It's just like a musical theater thing to just like repeat a line quickly like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but almost I don't know. Just like so, someone has something to do instead of just standing around. Maybe yeah. Also, kind of similar to the uh, the village people's version of uh, Shoner Gigolo. <laughs> Where they go, chigolo, 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 chigolo. It is very similar to that. I forgot about that one. Chigolo, chigolo, chigolo. Um, people, check out our episode of Shown Her Gigolo, a song you probably might have heard, but yeah. would not know the original. But language. not necessarily in the original language. Yeah. Um, Speaking of ones that aren't in this poem's original language, should we get into the cover versions? All of them. Yeah, like what else is there to say? It's like old, it's amusing because it's old. It's one of those... I mean, old things can be such a such a window to the past, you know? It's like you oh, hear yeah. this stuff, and it's it really happened, like, 90 years ago. Yeah. And, like, that's a long-ass time. Like, <laughs> things were just so different. Um, it's, it's interesting to think about. Yeah, and then to see how much of it remains in the in the later versions, they really do set the groundwork a lot. Like, that oompa rhythm never goes away. Um, and the the lyrics pretty much stay the same. Like a lot of it stays. Yeah, I mean it. It definitely has the feeling of like a folk song almost. Mm. And we'll talk about that more. I think once we get to the Doors, but certainly we will. But first, we got to talk about Georgia Brown in 1962. Oh, moon of Alabama. We now must say goodbye. We've lost our good old mama. Georgia Brown Googled her, looked her up. Born in London's East End, which is an area known for poverty. Hell yeah. Uh, of Jewish Russian descent. She played Worf's adoptive mother in Star Trek The Next Generation. Fuck yeah. Uh, these are not in order. Uh, she sang with Davy Jones on the Ed Sullivan show before the monkeys. Mm. And this was just happened to be the same night as the Beatles famous performance on the Ed Sullivan show. Their first performance. Their first performance. Or not first performance ever, but like, but like their big one on the Ed Sullivan yeah. show. Um, she's more of like a musical theater performer. Uh, so, you know, that's, this is really in the right area for her. 
coming yeah. from this opera. Um, and also, this recording is in the early 60s, so it's like another three decades on. Yeah. Yeah. Heaps of time have passed here. Um, yeah, like you said, she's musical theater. Um, closest artist I can think about that we talked about before is Liza Minnelli. Yeah, and there's some things about this version that definitely make me think of the Liza Minnelli covers. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly, like, it has this, like, restless energy. Yes. That it always needs to just keep moving. And, and right feels off the bat like you could, that, like, tap uh, dance to it or something. Yeah, that I don't percussion know. percussion is really focused on giving mm-hmm. you a dance beat. Yeah, the recording quality on this is a little questionable. Like, pretty frequently, whenever anyone goes a little bit hard, it, like, overloads it, and you can hear it crackle and stuff. It's called punk rock, Alex. Look it up. Yeah, it's called punk rock. (laughs) Punk theater. Rock. Anyway. I don't think it was on purpose. Maybe it was. No, probably not. uh, This music is meant to be polished, I think. Yeah. Because you get those nice little horns. I think they're horns at the start. That dun, dun. Dun, dun. Or is that like a? Bah, bah. I mean, I think there's so much stuff going on. It's probably like horns and woodwinds. Yeah, that checks out. And like some bass, but yeah, so much percussion to the point where like the verses are like just percussion. Yeah, she does the similar uh, instrumental switch that happens in the first one on the verses, where she goes to the oh don't ask why stuff. You get that bass in there real quick. It goes boom, 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 boom. Yeah, and like, but it's it's like drums going like. Yeah, the drums are guiding this like the whole time, and then once it gets to that second part, it she just it just like. And like the drums add a cymbal, and yeah, like the big double bass comes in. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. So it's quite, quite a rhythm. This one is the one that like drops the oompa. That's, yeah, maybe the only one that does. But yeah, the other ones don't. Um, not entirely, anyway. Um, this one compared to the other ones really just like pretty much drops the entire original arrangement. Yes. And just like does its own thing. So I would say it's the most different. Yeah, certainly instrumentally the most different. Um, but yeah, it and I, I guess also tone wise, because it's I guess she does suffer from the Liza Minnelli or just having a good time syndrome. Forget about these weird lyrics, <laughs> which also does fine in this one because like I feel like the lyrics are just kind of free for anyone to play around with. It's it's anyone's game out there, man. I don't right I don't as know much as like it's kind of a tragic song because there's death involved. Yeah. Um, one of the main points of it is like forgetting about it. So like if it is party time all the time, yeah, let's forget about the bad things by partying all the time. Yeah. You know. So it kind of does that. Um, but it's. I think it sounds pretty good. You know, it's got a lot of stuff going on. The, I, I like that that bass, pretty deep bass. There's a bit where it goes into this like walking bass line. Yeah, that's your chorus. Yes, yes, it is. Um, and then certainly a broader arrangement. Yeah, uh, there's like woodwind. I think there's yeah. some kind of vibraphone. Yeah, something like that. Um, definitely like some piano, just a little bit, and like little like flute licks. Yeah. Um, and sort of like builds into bigger horns as it goes, you know. Yeah, stuff we come to expect. Um, but definitely, you know, it's it's old school, which is cool. 
Yeah, and after you establish the first verse and chorus, it's really just the, the same thing again. Yes, which is pretty normal. And this one, she says, we must have boys. Yes. I listen yeah, to the things so she needs. for the whiskey. Whiskey, money, boys. and boys. A little bit of whiskey. A little bit of money. Maybe a lot of boys. I don't know. A whole lot of boys. Um... But I, I thought it was really cool because of how, like, rhythmically oriented it was, which is yeah. quite different. I mean, the original one just said, like, boom, bump, boom, bump, boom, yeah, which is some rhythmic orientation. Rhythm. But this is, like, the drums are just going and going, and that was yeah, cool, even though it has, like, a whole heavy. orchestra. It's, yeah, it's a very cool arrangement on those drums. Um, and, I yeah, I think the other instruments are pretty cool to have in there. Like you said, it gets a bit muddy sometimes, but I don't think it takes away from the energy necessarily. Yeah, that's not because there's too much stuff, I think. I think it's just because it's an old school recording and like maybe someone dropped it. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and like now it's kind of fucked up. Yeah, that could well be it. Speaking of kind of fucked up, though, it's time to talk about The Doors. Yeah. 1966. Yeah, let's talk about the doors. What's up with the doors? This, obviously, the one I've heard. We've already discussed it. First one I heard. Really the only one I knew before this. Yeah. Um, Actually, I, I knew of some of the live performances David Bowie does of Alabama Song. Yeah, I, I, I'd heard of it, but I hadn't really listened to it. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Um, the doors bring it a little closer to the original. Because they, they really focus hard on that bump, 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 yeah, um, oompa rhythm, and it's like just very, very um, prominent, obviously, uh, in this song, and like and crunchy because they play it on this like organ, yeah, and it's yeah, cool sound. Yeah, Rayman, that's Rayman Ray, Zarek Ray here playing you. an organ keyboard bass and uh, a marxophone which is a communist keyboard <laughs> uh, exactly uh it's a, it's a fretless zither does that help yeah no i looked it up it's kind of like an auto harp but you don't pluck it you, you play, play it with press. little metal hammers yeah it plays get played with little metal hammers yeah it's like, like you made an auto harp into a piano basically yeah so if that if that makes sense um, zithers are not an instrument I know a whole lot about, other than I think an auto harp is technically a zither, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I looked at zither and I was like, that's basically just a weird guitar. Yeah, like it's got a little like, hole in it, crossed with a harp. The cross with a harp, yeah, it's like yeah. So like you'd play the way they work is there'll be groups of strings and you sort of mm. play them to get like. It's strung with groups of like three strings, I think, and like one will be the fundamental, and then each one is like a chord, so you can like pluck individual strings, I guess, if you want to, but it's also fairly easy to strum a chord because they're just tuned and they're right next to each other. Mm. And then I think the auto harp takes that one step further in that there are like buttons you can press to change the chords and to play the chords in different ways, Um. but I don't know the mechanics of it all that well. Anyway... Also, there are frets involved on these zithers, I guess. Sometimes. Sometimes, unless it's not, not on this one. <laughs> uh, 
And yeah, so he's playing that. It comes in a little later on. But I think in this one, what they're really leaning into is the kind of... They're treating it like this old German folk tune, I think. Mm-hmm. That seems to be their approach. And it really has a sound when they perform it of like... Like bar singing, you know? Especially the chorus. You know, we're all singing together. Yeah. Just because we're all sad at this bar, you know? Yeah, I get I get some of that vibe to it. It's There's a big emphasis on that oompa, which I guess gives you that German folk vibe. Uh, like you said, the group singing element, and then I think, but I think it's also just filtered naturally through the Doors sort of mysticism slash spooky American vibe, <laughs> which gives this the the air of something much more uh, malicious. Yeah, and it doesn't help or hurt. I mean, it supports that. Let's say that mm-hmm. they change the lyric to "little girl," which is like. You know, in in with the um, context of history, uh, seems pretty creepy coming out of someone like Jim Morrison. Yeah, because um, it's probably more literal than uh, we would like it to be. Yeah, and it, it yeah it brings and uh, yeah coupled with "Don't ask us why," like yeah, it's pretty fucking grim. <laughs> But then we're all singing together and having a good time because yeah. it's the 60s and no one cares, I guess. Yeah, well, and they bring in other ele- elements of, like, I-, I guess dark Americana, you could call it. So in that folk vein, um, there's a bit of a carnival vibe to some of the instrumental sections that come in. The organ itself holds a bit of that carnival spirit, which, yeah. of course, evil carnivals are does. a dime a dozen. Most carnivals are actually evil, so it's... yeah. <laughs> it's not hard to draw that so line. The, like, I mean, I mean, we didn't even have to say it. You can just say carnival. Uh, there's carnivals, and then there's there's good carnivals. Exactly. But the like that's the distinction. Redundant. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, this one is definitely meant to to give us a dark image, and whether that is just purely art on Jim Morrison's part, or just him literally being himself, <laughs> we can't cannot say with certainty. But it may be a, a bit of both. Yeah, it's hard to tell. But I mean, even looking at the the album artwork, because this is the the Doors' first album, mm-hmm. um, like it's it's very harsh lighting, like from mm-hmm. one side. So there's a lot of shadow on that in that artwork. So I I think there is you know some dark theme there going on, theme of darkness. Obviously, they picked a song that talks about death a lot. We need to drink or we'll die. Yeah, that's. If you really think about it, that's, you know, that's a darker theme. Well, yeah, and this is the same album that ends with The End, a song about death being his only friend. Yeah, true. That's true. Um, but also made, like you said, kind of kind of a little bit whimsical, particularly by that zither sound, because this is the higher, like, plinky sound. Yeah, but also that's the one that plays that in the, the Oh, Don't Ask Why section, right? That... Yeah, it sounds like very... I wouldn't have been able to tell you what it was before looking it up. No, sure. yeah. As soon as I had the personnel, I was like, well, it's not this. It's, it's got to be a marxophone. Like, what else could it be? An auto. Um, yeah, this one, as we said, dark. We get some, some mad zithering in there. What else is unique about this one? Uh, wanting to sing along? Yeah, you want to sing along. And we're primed for it with... That orchid also has carnival and also like... Just a just a hint of like baseball in it. 
Uh, maybe they're really pushing the Americanness. Maybe, and yeah, but pulling into that folk idea of like we're all in this together in this dark quest for whiskey and yeah, and little, and we're girls. all singing together in this pub or whatever. Yeah, so we get primed for it by that solo organ, which is our our bridge from verse to chorus. I forgot to bring that up. Yes, the transition that is very cool too, where they sort of build the chord but like downwards. Yeah. So it's it's kind of stretching out the transition as compared to the original. Doing something similar, but quite different and really drawing attention to it. And it's cool. Yeah. It's Yeah, they give it a lot of space. You get just a bit of snare drum to back it through there. And there's like so much focus on it. It's like, oh, we're ready for the chorus. By the time that, you know, ends, we're ready to sing the chorus. Yes. Like it really psychs you up. It kind of serves as a pre-chorus but there's no lyrics yeah it's a it's a, a wordless pre-chorus yeah and then yeah that chorus explodes in a in a sort of drunken mather we get that zither again almost doing like an oompa but because of how it zithers to and thither like it comes off with a bit of a an odd rhythm on it it's kind of a weird sound it sounds like i mean it's hammers like little hammers but it's like many strings being struck very quickly yeah and like sometimes the same one maybe but not always and i don't think he's just playing maybe he's doing like a trill or something i don't know yeah and it speaks to that like harp effect where they all seem to kind of come together so it's almost like it's two notes but there's just like a Almost an echoing around everyone. It's a very weird effect. It's very bouncy. Mm-hmm. And that's the other... Th- I guess that's the other reason I think they emphasize the oompa in so many different ways, because you also get it in this chorus, is that has a bit of, like, a drunken gait to it. True, you can kind of sway. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the easiest thing to do. You might be able to, like, foxtrot or something, but I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and you get those two chorus repetitions each time, right? So on the second one, it's it feels like everybody's joining in. Yeah, it's like here's a reminder, and here's here's the chorus. Yeah, and it double tracks him. So I think it's all Jim Morrison, but it does sound like a group. Um, yeah, we got Robbie Krieger and uh, John Densmore credited with backing vocals, along with Paul Rothschild. Okay, well then I don't know. What and Ray Manzarek, a uh, Ray Manzarek. So everybody. So it's everybody. <laughs> Yeah, okay. It's Paul Rothschild. Um, Producer. Sure. Producer. And then, of course, you get that, and then we get primed for the verse with that same sort of instrumental. We get it hitting hard. We get the oompa in. It is a real, like, you could see somebody sitting down at the bar and being like, all right, everybody, let's play Alabama song. Boom, 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 boom. And everybody smiles and nods because they know it, and then you lift their pints. One of, yeah, you lift your Flips pint. their arms around each other's shoulders. And sings while holding their pint in the air. Yeah. And then with the Doors performance, it has that real, like, like what edgy TV shows do now, where there would be, like, horrific acts happening either in or around this bar. If you, if you spread the ca- if you took the camera out while this song is playing, and it's like, oh my, all this drunken revelry is actually quite evil. How edgy. And you'd go, geez, wow. Sure, I believe it. That's Showing just... the contrast between the fun singing and the person getting beat up or whatever yeah 
And that's take your word I'm, for it. I don't watch a lot of modern shows. Sure, Alex, but you, you know, I mean that. that yeah, I've seen, I've seen it. I've seen it happen. I know what you're talking about. Have you seen a show since the year 2000? Then you've probably seen what I'm talking about. <sighs> Not as many as uh, I probably should have. I, there's no real quota anyone needs to hit. I no. think. <laughs> yeah, I have been reaching my quote, my Netflix quota for the month. I need to really pick. Yeah, it up. you got got to buckle in there, sit down. Um, anything else on this one, Alex? Not really. I mean, it's still a simple song. They just Damn. made it a little more uh, bar singable. Bar singable. We also get that uh, like organ arpeggio in the ending chorus around like the three minute mark. Yeah, very Rayman Zarek. And a very definite ending on this one. Uh, no repetitions of you know why. Just one big single one. And just was a but up but but and we're done. Dun, 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 and yeah, and it gives you that ending is one that you could just loop. That's true. Yeah, you could just jump into another one. So yeah, they've transformed it from a theater piece into a folk bar song with malintent. A little bit of Jim Morrison darkness there. Anything else on this one, Alex? No, because it's time to talk about David Bowie it is. in the year 1978 when he recorded this. I don't think it actually came out until 1980. Oh, love It's time to say goodbye. Um, and he put it on a single. So it was released as a single, and I believe the version I have in the playlist is that single. Um, which was paired with an acoustic version of Space Oddity. Yeah, so this one made it much less singable, just because it's hard to follow. Yeah, we rip back into theater, but, you know, a la David Bowie style. Yeah, a little more like avant-garde theater. Yes. And not to mention, this is the late 70s. This is Berlin-era David Bowie. That's so right. So there's a lot of, like, heavier guitars and synthesizers and stuff and, like, harsh, weird drums. So there's some similarities to the Georgia Brown version in that way, but it's not similar actually, like just yeah. conceptually. Yeah, conceptually, it's we we get a reliance on rhythm, but where with Georgia Brown, it's actually to give us something to dance to. Yeah, this is this song is built to disrupt us in David Bowie's hands. Yeah, it's it's wild, and it was kind of a wild part of his life. Um, yeah, I was I watched a live a more recent live performance of this, and he said like. I used to sing this song in my apartment in Berlin every morning at breakfast. Like, <laughs> so he used to sing it a lot. And then he recorded it. Yeah. And it's worth pointing out that he didn't do this because he's a Doors fan. Although I, I, can't, I imagine he must have heard the Doors version. Yeah. But because he's a little theater nerd. Because I did watch a, a video where he introduced these. Like, here's a little Bertolt Brecht number. And everyone's like, ah, yes, Bertolt Brecht. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah everybody nodded wisely. I was like, oh, yes, of course, Bertolt yeah, Brecht. Of course, oh, yes. the rise and fall of mahogany. Yeah, oh, yes, oh, yes. But yeah, we get this this wildly discordant version with uh, kind of the guitar tone you expect of that era. Really, really rough and tumble stuff. It's very... Uh, yeah, very and aggressive. like when he does this heavy like accent, you know, he sounds very Berlin-era Bowie, you know? He's singing yes. this... At least the verses, he's singing like, what's my closest comparison? Like a joke, like Beauty and the Beast, I guess. 
Mama! Someone fetch a priest. And when he, like, really gets into that, like, heavier, like, South London uh, accent stuff. Yeah. Show me the way, you know? The why. Yeah, you're right. Um... He also but, gets, like, the most Muppet-ass-sounding backing vocals on this. <laughs> <laughs> Real high-pitched stuff. This yeah, is really... This is this is the precursor to Labyrinth. We're approaching Labyrinth with this. Um, but, yeah, it's just, like, the verses go so... Are just, like, tension-filled. Yeah, it's know? an attack on the senses. The synth is coming in and fucking being mean about stuff. We get these high-pitched backing vocals. I tell you! Um, yeah. And then a pretty significant switch up into the chorus. Mm Mm-hmm. And very, very slow. Uh, Like, David Bowie goes into, like, a croon, as he does Mm -hmm. sometimes, um, and slows way down. And it's really just, like, kind of weird drums, actually. Yeah, these drums are just but 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 like, yeah, like trying to find a beat almost. Yeah, very strange pattern. Um, and then other than that, it's like some piano chords and like a guitar. That's and like the, yeah, that really I think wavery. A bass doing that. Or is that yeah. a guitar doing that? Sounds rhythm? like there's several different rhythms happening all at once here. Yeah. Um. And it sl- kind of speeds up over the course of the of the chorus. Yeah. Um, what's kind of interesting, what seems to happen is like he speeds up over the course of the chorus, goes back to normal speed for the verse, and then slows down to the speed of the end of the previous chorus about for the second chorus, and then just like continues to speed up. Right. And then, like, and then goes back to the verse and then continues speeding up the chorus. So it's like kind of a continuous thing, but it gets broken up by the verses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on in this version. And also you get to hear him say, Why? <laughs> so there's yeah. There's a lot. Dude has there's a lot here, man. Yeah, this is dance. Um, and it ultimately just like amounts to a version that is jarring, that is <laughs> disarming. Yeah, but like cool, you yeah, know. Very cool. Hard to hard to dance to though. Yes, but perhaps better for you in the long run. Hard to sing along to, um, and hard to make much sense of. But like, it's cool shit. It's a lot of like yeah. cool synthesizers going on, harsh guitars, and David Bowie just like when he's singing slow, really chewing chewing up some lyrics. Yeah, just really sing because you know he used to do some theater shit. Yeah. And he also did some acting throughout his life. So to to see him combine these elements in what is, you know, an originally an opera song, but to be David Bowie about it and just be like, oh, let's be very weird and freaky. It's like, that's good stuff. Yeah. Plus, it's kind of like, because this is his like Berlin era, right? Mm-hmm. Associated with him living in Berlin. This is kind of that more, I guess mainland europe eastern european influence because it is a german song austrian song so it's just it's it's cool to see like a more direct influence from that in this time period yeah it's a very cool cover from a like a david bowie 
historic standpoint. Yeah. Is it the greatest cover he's ever made? Probably not. Is it very cool, though? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, it's cool to listen to. It's probably not good for all situations, though. It's, it's, uh... And maybe an acquired taste for someone who's not as big a Bowie fan as we are. It may be, but I think if you're coming off of the doors, like, conceptually, the, the discord and, like, eeriness is already present in the doors version. And I think the I jump so. to David Bowie from there isn't, isn't that large. No, although it does feel very different. So I guess it you is could definitely appreciate two very different how sounds. different it is, sonically. And he does say goodbye in German near the end. Auf Wiedersehen. Auf Wiedersehen. Which is my approximation of the pronunciation. That's great, and I love it. Is there a ukulele um, in this? I, like, second asking, chorus? You're asking the wrong I guy. I got, like, a 150. 150. That's the wrong timestamp. Fuck. Oh, no, it's like... Bah, bah. Anyway, don't yeah, worry about it. Yeah, it's just doing, like, a little rhythm in there, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so you could, I don't know if it's ukulele, note, but... Um, the big ending where they say, you know why, a bunch. And then it all stops. And that's Alabama song as performed by David Bowie in the year 1978, remastered in the year 2017 for some fucking David Bowie compilation album. <laughs> a new career in a new town. Fuck yeah, I love that song. It is a good song. <laughs> um, but we're not here to talk about here. that, Alex. We're here to talk about long, tall Texans in 1991. Yeah, this is an interesting group. This is, they're British, despite no, their claims to be Texans. Texan. Not even a little bit. Um, they emerged out of one of, I think, the various... Maybe there was just one. We've talked about it. Like, it's come up before. Uh, like, rockabilly fads in right. the UK. So they're a rockabilly group. But they're... They get called Psychobilly. Which Psycho is basically... Billy. Punk rockabilly. Or rockabilly punk. Yeah. Uh, depending on how, what order you want to put it in, like they, um, they're a little more socially conscious sometimes. Mm. You know, I was looking them up. They, for example, the song I noticed, they have a song called "Get Back, Wetback," uh, which is presumably satirical. Um, <laughs> one would hope. <laughs> yeah, one one would hope. Um, that's my example of their of a song I would more associate with like a punk band yeah okay yeah 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 long tall yeah. texans they had a big long fucking biography on their page that i could they did through. it talked about a bunch of people dying but i think none of them were band members i think they were mostly like people they knew or like right. colleagues kind of thing <laughs> that maybe influenced them but i th- i like it said like none of them made it out of the 80s but it was not referring to any of the band members because the band obviously was still going this is made it out of the 80s yeah and like i think they're still going yeah. their website's still up website's which is more than up. i can say about some groups we're going to talk about is a fact um these guys these fellas from brighton pretending to be texan <laughs> yeah and like they don't sound texan i don't think um 
they said like the very beginning of the song makes me think of London Calling for one. Oh yeah, it's um, like the and, same rhythm. Yeah, I, there, you know what? There is also a part of this song. Not to jump too far ahead, but they played Stairway to Heaven. They played Stairway to Heaven at two forty-five. I missed that entirely. Oh, fuck, they do. There's a couple things in here. Maybe it's just supposed to be like stuff you might hear in public. Because this one really pushes like the bar song feeling, but it's more yeah. of like a saloon song because they're rockabilly sound. Yeah, and um, then they're also their their <laughs> their lyric change, which I find questionable, <laughs> is that they must have whiskey once in a while. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, you gotta have it sometimes, right? Yeah, you know, sometimes you gotta have it. You don't overdo it. No, no, no. I mean, our mom's dead, yeah, sure, but just once in a while. Just sometimes. Warm, warm you up a bit or whatever. Um, the other thing, I mean, they're, the other thing that points to them being, like, more of a punk uh, vein group is um, they just, like, kind of fucking with the lyrics, just, like, not yeah. really caring which, which word goes with which, like, which setup goes with which payoff kind of thing. Right, yeah, as Just long as matching. it fits the, the meter. Yeah. Uh, another thing that reminded me of The Clash specifically is just, like, the way his voice sounds. Right, I don't, it's got that rough and tumble quality yeah, to it. Yeah, but, like, j- like, kind of the timbre of it reminds me of The Clash. In Like, he, he seems British because of that to me, even though he doesn't right. sing with, like, an accent or anything, or I a see, stronger yeah, I, I accent. I see that as a... Uh... As like a British punk. Yeah, so I don't know if it's actually a British thing, but because it makes me think of The Clash, it makes me think of, you know, Britain. Um, so, yeah, it's an interesting group. Um, I didn't really s- say this before, but it's, like, it's a Doors cover. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, it's really going in that. Um, that vein, they really got that, like, I guess, uh, strong backbeat. Yeah. Uh, like the Doors have, which because the Doors accented with like the organ and stuff, and this one has like a guitar strum and then a, the drums playing there. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, what else? What else? They got, a, they got a stand-up bass, a double bass. They do that. They're quite proud of. That was <laughs> they something do. they mentioned in their. That was like the first thing mentioned in their bio. Double bass, which is I guess where you get more of that Billy element in there as opposed to just Psycho. Yeah, a lot of these, like like the Stray Cats, a similar group, right. I think from yeah, a similar yeah. time, also had a similar lineup. I think they're both trios, even. I'd have to look that up. Alex making wild claims on the podcast today. Who can remember? I mean, it's the Stray Cats. I, two, I know like one Stray Cats song, trios. and it's only because of a Japanese Stray video game. <laughs> oh, okay, I know two Stray Cats songs. <laughs> I don't really know the Stray Cats strut. I think I know that one from the the DS uh, Guitar Hero game. Oh, um, the song "Rock This Town." Yeah, okay. Was in uh, Elite Beat Agents. Elite Beat Agents, also a DS rhythm game. Yeah, rhythm I games was a- on the DS. What the heck, huh? Yeah. <laughs> That's a topic for. <laughs> don't a I, different don't have anything else to say about that. A different podcast. <laughs> Um, this one's pretty straightforward. Like you mentioned, it's got that that London calling rhythm, weirdly enough. Yeah. A uh, bit of that British punk vibe. You get your backing vocals that are in that punk rock vein where they're enthusiastic but not necessarily in tune or in line or in harmony, but they are present, and we'd love that. Yeah, and then there's two points at least. 
I mm-hmm. was going to say one, but because you mentioned the Stairway to Heaven, two points where they just like bring in, bring in other songs. Yeah. So the first one, I don't know what the tune is called. I was looking at like carnival tunes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know the name of it. I was look. I looked up like twenty carnival tunes, and it was a bunch of stuff, and none of it was that. It was like yakety sax, like no, <laughs> um, the entertainer, all that stuff. But I don't know the name of this tune, so it plays that on what is probably not a fretless zither, no, but kind of sounds like one. Yeah, something More like, mimicking. Yeah, it. harpsichord type sound, and it's ninety five, so it's probably just a synthesizer. Silver dollar is said in this one. I'm vindicated. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so as long as someone says it, right? That's right. Um, and then, like you said, they play a little bit of Stairway to Heaven. The, That's right. The very beginning of Stairway to Heaven. So why? Uh, I don't know. But maybe it's part of the singing together thing. Because I imagine Stairway to Heaven would have been a pretty common song to hear in yeah. a bar at this point in time. I think you've keyed into that There, this is really a pub band. Yeah. Because I'm listening to this song, I'm listening to this version, pretty good, but it really demands the context of a bunch of other people around and, you know, food and or drink right near you. Yeah, which is inherited from the Doors version, but it, it feels a little more present in this one. Yeah. The Doors version is almost the, the theater version of that vibe, whereas this is the one-to-one, like... the the, the, the It's a bar, but, like, there's only three walls and... Yeah. It's just a bar and some stools because and everyone's like sitting but cheating out so they're facing the audience. Exactly, except Jim Morrison is facing backwards on stage cuz he's shy at this point still. Right. Even though he's got his dick out for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's the vibe I get from the Doors versus Long Tall Texans is cuz I get maybe just cuz I don't see the Doors as a pub band. True. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. But that's how Long Tall Texans feels to me. Uh, neat little version. Poppy little piece with some weird allusions to other songs for... The, the circus one I get, like that, and that's that's direct line from the Doors yeah. like implied carnival setting. So these guys are maybe just the Doors, but without the, like, the high-minded, like, implications. They're just, like, fuck implying things. We're gonna play the circus riff. We're gonna play this like it's a bar song in a bar. Yeah, it's more direct, I guess. Mm-hmm. They don't have time for illusion. No. I know writers who use subtext, and they're all cowards. They're all cowards. <laughs> um, speaking Excuse of... Me. Yeah. My, I gotta get away from just using speaking of and then saying whatever last two words we said. That's, it works sometimes, but it's not it always It does work good. sometimes. Speaking of music... Speaking of music that works sometimes... <laughs> No, it was close. It was close to being there. Um, speaking of things that are a near miss, though, Todd Rundgren, Jeff Downs, and Zoot Horn Rolo in 2014. Yeah. It's quite a, quite a lineup. Todd Rundgren, performer, has done like a lot of production of some fairly prominent songs. Yeah, I, I, I know producer. the name. It's come up, I think, but because he's uh, famously like Liv Tyler's father figure. 
Oh, that's him. And he wrote the song. I believe he wrote the song "Hello, It's Me" for her, which is a, a famous. Yeah, Tom I Rundgren see that. Um, yeah, multi instrumentalist, producer, sound engineer, solo artist, member of the New Cars, which was a, a band featuring original members of the Cars and also Todd Rundgren, I guess. Uh, he was a member of Naz, Runt, Ringo Starr, and his All Star band, in which oh, Todd Rundgren was band. Ringo Starr. Um, <laughs> yeah, so he's played with a lot of people, and like, it's it looks like he he like produced for Grand Funk Railroad and Badfinger and Bad, Bad Out of Hell also. Apparently, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. He's uh, he's really like more of a music industry famous than he is like. Yeah, as much as he's famous. a performer, like he's probably more behind the scenes than yeah in front of them. But not to discount his skills because he's done some pretty big work. But just yeah. like in terms of face value, like you might not know him just because he's yeah he's taught run group. Yeah, like for us, it's like that sounds like a vaguely familiar name. Exactly. And speaking of names that weren't familiar, but their credits sure were Jeff Downs. Jeff Downs, yeah. He is quite a quite a history. Uh keyboardist, played in the Buggles. Yeah. He played in Yes, although I don't think he was the original uh keyboardist, and also co-founded Asia. Yeah. So yeah, he's played in quite a few groups. Um and probably made a lot of Music that I uh, have listened to. Yeah, he's also a songwriter and record producer. So not just a keyboardist in, you know, three moderately successful bands. One being a supergroup retroactively, I think. Is Asia a supergroup because they all went on to do things later, or are they actually a supergroup? No, I think they, they came together afterwards. And okay, so it was like King A bunch Crimson. of guys from like, uh, like with these prog rock groups yeah. got together and made Asia. Wrote heat of the moment and then called it a fucking day. Yeah. <laughs> Let's Except not right. really. Asia There's songs. actually quite a bit of Asia. There's music. quite a bit. Doesn't Asia eventually like split off and become two different bands named Asia? Probably. Probably. Was, they got a wild history, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Zoot Horn Rolo as yeah, well. Zoot. Who's, who's Bill Harkelroad as his original name. He's an American guitarist known for his work with Captain Beefheart, who's a big like avant-garde, sort of in the vein of Frank Zappa. Yeah, we talked about musician. him when we talked about Frank Zappa. Frank Zappa. Uh, over a, the summer. That's right. The Entrepreneur Summer. Yeah. And he was part of the Magic Band as well. Ranked the 62, 62nd greatest guitarist, according to Rolling Stone magazine. And, yeah, he doesn't even really perform much anymore. No. Sounds like. Sounds like he does Does not. music stuff that is not performing so but massive credits here huge names yeah for what is perhaps the most lukewarm take on alabama song we're gonna hear today <laughs> i know right you may it's like too many cooks i think you yeah. know yeah because these are all like some pretty prominent creatives and just like stick them together and what happens uh you kind of make a, a not that great doors cover because this is a doors cover a album doors cover album classic yes. rock salute to the doors called light my fire light i actually didn't fire. see yeah it's it's like a compilation of a bunch of different i don't know if it actually this was made for this album or not that's not important the point mm. is these guys recorded it um yeah it's a little more in your face about being blues rock i think yeah like like the doors version but someone like didn't have the restraint to not do anything <laughs> Like there's yeah, just a 100%. lot of stuff in this. We're filling it in, and yeah, we're filling in musically, but we're losing tone and like 
you know, what made the Doors version so compelling, and even versions like David Bowie's in the original, is the the theater around it, the implications, the the aura of it, the ambiance. Yeah, they all have at least something to like musically latch onto, and this one's more just kind of lays down a groove. Yeah. Musically, this one is latching onto the idea that the Doors did a good version of it. Yeah, and it's kind of doing that. There's still like an organ, and there's still, I don't know, other stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mostly the like organ. Country guitar that comes in. Uh, the organ doesn't sound as good. The organ doesn't sound as good. There's big synth kind of filling in everywhere it can. Yeah. Um, some woodwinds or synthesized woodwinds also in the mix there. They actually get a, like a solo section. <laughs> yes. So there's a solo section about two and a half minutes in um, where you get this like flute synth. And it it sounded like two things to me. It sounded Western. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like old Western movies. They're like, right. it's like whistling, right? Yeah. But it also kind of sounded Banjo-Kazooie. Yes. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Um, so there's definitely more twang in this one than probably even more than the long tall Texans. Yeah. Maybe but it's like, and like you said, maybe too many it, cooks, they don't yeah. lean into the twang. No, it, it just, it doesn't ever really, I, I guess you'd say come together. Mm-hmm. Um, it, at least not for me. Yeah. It just, it's just kind of, kind of lukewarm, like you said, and, and it's all there, but the parts aren't that great yeah there's just no like there's no point there's no hook it's not like this is the doors version that does this like the david bowie version is the very discordant and like out there version the long tall texans is pub rock all day long yeah the the theater versions are theater versions like georgia brown is a very clear style of music and clear take (laughs) whereas this is like blues country uh banjo kazooie Yeah, yeah, a little Grant Kirkhope. Yeah. And a little, I don't know. Uh, actually, I was going to say a little Grant Kirkhope and a little uh, fucking, what's his name, who did the Western soundtracks? Oh, Morricone? Um, yeah, Morricone. Any of but that actually Morricone, sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds great. Um, yeah, so we'll look forward to that. And then, and like, vocally, there's a, it's just, like, as close as we can get to Jim Morrison. <laughs> Without being interesting? Without being interesting, yeah. It's just, like, forgetting that Jim Morrison, not really a good singer, just an interesting, like, baritone on him. Right. Has a really interesting tone, which is perhaps um, undervalued mm-hmm. in some ways. But, yeah, not, like, technically the greatest, but sounds very cool. Yeah. It's like looking at the Doors version and and then being like, I don't know what makes this work. We're just gonna do the, like we're just gonna throw some shit at it. Kind of do something vaguely bluesy. Also, I played this video game two decades ago. <laughs> yeah, you guys ever play Banjo Kazooie? Let's just do that for a minute. <laughs> yeah, very disappointing. Given that the the credits we got to pull from this one were pretty cool. Um, but we're gonna flip that expectation, I think, with our next ones, the the tall tones in 2014. <laughs> Of Alabama, we know. Yes, the tall tones. It's just some dudes. Looked up. I mean, 
you look them up on uh on facebook and their their group picture covers all their faces it's just a bunch mm-hmm. of guys with like i mean orange cylinders on their heads yeah but not like your devo like cylinders <laughs> no it's... they're not hats they're not the uh Whatever they are. They have like buckets. They got like buckets on their heads. Yeah, D- Devo hats? They look like uh, terraced hills, kind of. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Devo hats. Um, Devo hats have a name. I forget what they are. The Tall Tones describe themselves as trashy... Tra- Let's try that again. Trashy, weird vocal versions of great songs. Um, and between pop and jazz. Also, their site is dead. Talltones.net. Rest in peace, Talltones.net. Um, and I didn't actually check their Facebook page. Uh, they updated on September 22nd, 2020. Hey. I'm pretty sure they're German. Yeah, I think they're from Austria. Uh, their updates are in German. So Austria. Yep, that sounds right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, right. You could tell because of their accents. Yeah, boy. When they're singing. or I think on like Discogs or secondhand songs, it was like Austrian horn trio or something. Yeah. And... Well, it's a trio. It's like I mean, there's a picture of them as a trio. It's a guy with a guitar, a guy with a like a double bass, and then a guy with a trumpet. But they have those those bins on their head, so he's like holding the trumpet up to the bin. It's kind of amusing. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um. Oh, there's their faces when they're performing. Yeah, that makes sense. That yeah, that's probably the time you'd want. So your they do have faces. Nice. Um. Anyway, but what's the song like? We know what the band's like. Um, what is it like? Well, it starts out fairly jazzy, you know, yeah. it, it opens with like a trumpet solo and this really like kind of rhythmless bass part. Yeah, it's very moody and yeah, rhythmless. Um, and then that like w- guitar comes in, it's very like wah heavy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it gets really, d- I mean, they say between pop and jazz, there's definitely some jazz in there. Um, I would say after that intro, what it reminds me of the most is is um like gypsy jazz as a genre. Okay, yeah. Not exactly. It's not a one-to-one match, but there's definitely more of like a European feel to this one. Mm. We're bringing it back to Europe. Bringing it back to Europe. But it's more modern. Yeah. And kind of like the David Bowie one, we open with a space that is like like that rhythm section is not meant to be followed. It's meant to be yeah. observed and go and like, where's the rhythm? Somebody help me. Yeah, and they come in with like a stronger rhythm later on. Yeah. But that's kind of like they're just setting it up. Even before the lyrics. Yeah. We get that kind of play the thing the going on the bass on the trumpet. And then some stings on I think that wah guitar and also maybe an organ Ba-ba-na, or something. Ba-ba-na. Uh yeah, maybe definitely a trumpet. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. There's also like a really high plucking of something. There. Yeah, it seems like there's something keys like, but it's hard to tell. Yeah, so some kind of organ. First yeah. minute and like a minute and a half, maybe. A um, minute 20 seconds about is all instrumental on this. And then, but, but after that intro section that like doesn't have a rhythm, the rhythm's very fast. Yeah. Um, and then... They they kind of do similar to the David Bowie version in that like their choruses are very sl- like slowed down. Yeah. Um. And yeah, like what else? His vocals would, are very croaky. 
excuse me they are and he kind of does some like stuff uh, like the aspects he also yeah, sounds he like he's trying to be french a bit a <laughs> little bit um because he kind of has um i i guess well i could call them creative vocalizations but it's really just like he'll go into like this falsetto rasp or yeah. like a low growl at times just yeah. to kind of be a little bit like oh you know and low then- and high yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Some dynamics in there. Some I would dynamics. say overall, it's kind of like the Doors version, but mixed with the David Bowie version, as performed yeah. by the original artists. That's a that's actually a pretty good summation. <laughs> yeah, because it's got like the melody and feeling kind of from the Doors version. It's mm-hmm. got like the the different sections and tempo changes from the David Bowie one, but yeah. the more European, Eastern European feel and acoustic uh, composition arrangement of the original yeah song and then of course he he pulls in that repetition a lot which shows up in the bowie version as well as the original on the ending at least where he says mama is it mama 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 mama." uh yeah so it's an it's an interesting version it's definitely more out there than the other ones definitely um Maybe not more out there than the David Bowie version. No, but it is... Uh, appreciably out there. Appreciably out there. No, yeah. don't ask why. No, don't ask why. Yeah, he like really grasps that this song, maybe in the year 2014 and today, is, is meaningless, right? Like, yeah. We've lost our good in, old mama in the sense that we've lost the 1927 play. Like, Yeah. It's probably still around, sure, but like our con- its connection to us, a modern audience. Yeah, it's political satire, so like it's probably very specific to yeah, the situation in 1928. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's a uh, yeah that's gone. Mm-hmm. It's, it's completely divorced from so that. So I like I really did like the the loose fun approach they took to this while still having compelling musical segments in it. Like, it's still listenable, but you can tell they're having a good time. <laughs> right. And there's some interesting different elements. Like, I mean, we've listed a lot of stuff. That Later on, there's a bit where, like, they slow way down for the... Or I guess maybe it happens in both choruses. Um, slows way down, but then, like, the guitar is kind of, like, noodling the whole time. Yeah. And, like, going fast, so... Or no, everything kind of is. That's kind of how they do the choruses. I, I didn't mention that before. But it's kind of like like every instrument is fast strumming, but obviously not every instrument strums. So it's whatever that instrument's yeah. version. Yeah. So it's a fast drumming. Quickly, is, but it, so it doesn't like, oh, moon. And then they go, yeah. You know? That's, anyway. very, that's a very European, I think, playing style. It I reminds me of like, a, like an no idea. Italian sort of like romance piece like you'd hear it from the the gondolas or something yeah that sounds that sounds vaguely that sounds vaguely right i can I'll, pa- I'll, paint I'll, you I'll the hollywood that. picture of it as i guess what i'm saying having having never been to europe <laughs> right <laughs> only loosely understanding ideas from films and books and what have you but it strikes me as that hey i watched thing. jojo part five i think i know yeah, a little bit I'm about pretty it, much really. a world traveler now <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's this version it's a. Uh, it's your version for little kooky the wild crazy card lads. version. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Not as fun as summarizing these three things into three categories is going to be, though. Let me tell you. And we do have three categories in our final verdict. We have the worst version, the best version, and the version that would do the best in Alabama. 
Which one do Alabamites love the most? Alabamans? Alabamans. That's a good question. I like Alabamites. <laughs> it does seem pretty fun, doesn't it, Alabamites? Alex, what's the worst version of this, and why is it Todd Rundgren? Why gang? is it Todd Rundgren? Yeah, last week we talked about how none of the versions were, like, bad. Mm-hmm. They all kind of had something different and interesting going on. And there was like a decent crop of of uh, of covers, and this almost had that. Yeah, but almost. Unfortunately, Todd Rundgren, Jeff Downs, and uh, what was the other guy's name? Zoot. Zoot, Zoot Horn Rollo. Zoot Horn Rollo uh, broke that streak. It's just there's I don't know. There's just not. It's kind of a boring version. It's it's. It's either too much or not enough or something like that. But yeah, it doesn't, it is, it it doesn't make it out of both. just being like mediocre and uninteresting. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to listen to it over the Doors version, especially because it doesn't provide a new interesting take. It doesn't even like, there's not even like the update perspective where it's like, oh, but the instruments are much sharper on this. Like, right. It's just more busy. There's no benefit to this version, unfortunately. It just is. Yeah. If you want the doors but worse, there you go. Alabama song by Todd Rundgren and the gang. Worst version. Alex, best version. Best version. This was tricky. I mean, there's obviously the big name ones. You know, we got some doors. We got some Bowie. And those are really good. They are really good. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed them. Enjoyed a lot of them. And I'm struggling with this because of that. And I might just, I might just give up and wildcard. Sure. Uh, so I don't have to pick between them. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but here's what I'm going to say. Say it. I'm going to wildcard. Okay. Um, and I'm going to give it to Georgia Brown. Because I really part. liked the 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 percussion parts in the yeah. verses, and that was a cool thing that didn't really come up again. I don't. And to find an interesting take pre Doors cover was yeah difficult, but I think Georgia Brown pulls it off. Yeah, I think that's a that's a remarkable version. I don't know the best, but I appreciate the wild card take, Alex. I like you picking that. I'm also not going to pick the Doors or David Bowie for the best. Because I think there's something spiritually strong in, in the tall tones and their, their sort of devil-may-care attitude about this cover that I think just just lines up with, with my vision of the song in some way more than any other take. And I, I like that they play it fast and loose. I like that they play with the tempo wild and crazy and that they have this sort of, like you said, Eastern European like acoustic bass point to play that all out from. Hell yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I was second guessing that it might be Central European. Doesn't matter. Um, European. Take out the Eastern. Just yeah, European. German is probably the most German. Austrian. Accurate. They're an Austrian gang of True. lads. True. And they just seem like good, good fucking lads. Best yeah. song for the lads. Best song Alex. for being good lads. Who's the best song for the Alabamians? Uh, probably fucking Todd L- Rundgren. Ugh. Am I right? Are you right? I don't, 
I don't think so. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, I mean, it's probably the doors. Easily. It probably already is the doors. Easily the doors. Um, yeah, if not just based on what version of this is most popular. Like, Yeah, because it's just the most popular version, so like... But also, it's the most American version. That's true. Um, it's not like faux American, like the Long Tall Texans, which doesn't actually feel that American. No. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say the Doors. Good choice. So I was, was going to be rude and be like, probably fucking like the Todd Rundgren version of this piece of shit. But like, why? Why am I mean to people in Alabama? Like, yeah, what do they ever do to me? Alabamites. Yeah, I actually looked it up. It is. Alabamian or Alabaman. Okay. Yeah. Which is... If, you, if your name's Ian and you live in Alabama, you're an Alabamian. Yeah, Alabamian is, is, doesn't roll off my tongue. No, certainly not. Yeah, it's gotta be the Doors, Alex. Obviously, the Doors is the most Alabama version. <laughs> Coming down to Alabama, we've got the Doors. And whiskey bars. Spelt without an E, mind you. I will mind that. Mind it. And y'all should mind the fact that that's our final verdicts. That's it. If you've got a different opinion, similar opinion, want to talk to us about a version we didn't talk about, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag CoverMePod, at JakeTheCressy, at some Alex Wise Guy. Send us your comments, questions, concerns, suggestions for future episodes, which you can also do by email at CoverMePod at gmail.com. Be sure to rate and review us. We're on all your favorite podcasting apps, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, another podcasting app. And tell your friends about us, because we don't know or else we'd do it ourselves. That does it for today's episode of Cover Me. Thank you all for joining us. And as we always say on Cover Me, we've lost our good old mama and must have Cover Me. You know why. <laughs>